Welcome back. New Zealanders are more concerned about climate change than ever before. But only half of us know what we personally need to do to make a difference. What's worse, only half of us believe our actions will be effective. Tom McRae has the latest in our Because It Matters series and joins us now. News Hub at 6 last Wednesday night with news of rising public concern in New Zealand about climate change. And two days later, the country's biggest publisher of news, Stuff, announced on Friday it's joined more than 60 other media outlets around the world in a big new global bid to boost coverage of the issue. Stuff's editor-in-chief Patrick Crudson said that the aim of this is to make the realities of climate change feel urgent, tangible and unignorable for New Zealanders. But while Stuff certainly sounds serious about this, and News Hub badged it as an issue that matters, some broadcasters here have been giving out much more mixed messages about whether it really is urgent and what we should believe. The phrase fake news is about news that's not real. It's not man- it's, it's manufactured, pardon me. It's not entirely as reported. Uh, fake news is real stuff, and it degrades the quality of the organisations uh, who peddle it. That was News Talk ZB presenter Tim Wilson on his afternoon show The Hour last Monday. And those were good points about fake news, especially that last one. And Tim Wilson told his listeners he's got a nose for it. And as someone who's been in the, new biz- in the news business for a few decades, um, I've sort of developed a bit of a nose for it. You know, no, that doesn't seem right. No, I don't, don't know about that. I don't know if I'll buy that. I've started to do this with stories on the effects of climate change. But what was worrying Tim Wilson specifically last Monday? But when I, I read something like I did recently, get a note of this, about California's wildfires... Then I started to do that test. Apparently, California's wildfires are red. They're getting bigger every year. And since uh, 1972, the area that burns every summer, it's grown by 800%. And the cause is hotter summers. And the cause is climate change, apparently. Interesting. But where did Tim Wilson find out about that? Well, possibly from a colleague at NZME, the New Zealand Herald writer Simon Wilson. In his Herald column three days earlier, Simon Wilson had said, the biggest climate change problem in this country is the National Party. And this provoked a bit of a debate in the media, including on Tim Wilson's other ZB show, The Weekend Collective, last Sunday. So Simon Wilson saying that National's position on climate change will undermine our economy, damage us socially. He says delays now will lead to crisis management later and the people worst affected will include farmers, coastal dwellers and the poor. He also says National says it knows we have to combat combat climate change but undermines every effort to address the issue. But what's all that got to do about California's wildfires? Well Simon Wilson's article about climate change politics here ended with this. Since 1972 the area that burns every summer has grown by 800%. Bigger, fiercer fires caused by summers that are 1.8 degrees Celsius warmer. It might not sound like much, but heat has an exponential effect on fire. We've already seen the same thing in Christchurch's Port Hills and near Nelson. We'll keep seeing it. Plenty of other articles overseas have also stated that climate change is the reason that California's wildfires were five times or even eight times bigger than in previous years this year. But on News Talk ZB on Monday, that didn't pass Tim Wilson's sniff test. Have a listen to this uh, from Chuck DeVore in Forbes last year. Uh, California's deadliest wildfires have been decades in the making with overlapping environmental rules, both state and federal, making fuel load reductions in forests. Now, fuel load is the stuff that fires feed on. It's bark trees, 
underbrush, dry grassy fields. Those federal environmental regulations and local ones have made reducing the fuel load in California's forests nearly impossible. And hostility towards commercial timber harvesting has allowed a massive build-up in tree density and brush with a concurrent reduction of access roads and fire breaks. Hence, there are more fires. So greeny policies and sustainability, not clearing away the fuel load, not cutting down the trees, have contributed to California's massive wildfire season. Well, that's one reading of what happened in California. It's the one President Trump repeats when asked about the issue. And who's the writer that Tim Wilson found so convincing in that piece in business publication Forbes? Well, here he is on Fox News for a recent interview, which really could have done with a bit of a sniff test too. Literally, and again, if you listen to the media, Chuck DeFore joins us. We, we can't just chalk it up as CNN tells me to, to climate change? Well, that's correct. Well, this has to do with uh, active forest management. Uh, This was something that was curtailed in the 1990s. Fox News host Joe Walsh was convinced by Chuck DeVore's take on the cause of California's deadly fires. So we're not harvesting trees like we once did. We're no longer clearing brush. Thank you. Uh, Our gallery of the stupid coming up next. Don't go anywhere. But a quick online search reveals that the forest management theory is hotly contested by experts, to say the least. And also that Chuck DeVore works for an outfit called the Texas Public Policy Foundation, which runs a project called Fueling Freedom, which promotes what it calls the forgotten moral case for fossil fuels. Its website says... This project will redefine the public conversation around fossil fuels and especially their positive role in society. And Chuck DeVore would be delighted that he's been talked about on New Zealand's top commercial talk radio station this past week. His foundation's donors include the oil companies Chevron and ExxonMobil and companies owned by the billionaire Koch brothers. The Fueling Freedom campaign was run by Kathleen Hartnett-White, who also argued that increased carbon dioxide levels are actually good for life on Earth, that renewable energy is green folly and that fossil fuels actually helped end slavery. None of that, though, was mentioned by Tim Wilson on News Talk ZB last Monday. But California's fires weren't the only climate story sniff-tested by Tim Wilson on News Talk ZB that day. Now, some of this is real, but a lot of it is fake. If you remember the stuff about uh, David Attenborough's walruses, who were flinging themselves off cliffs. This was in the, um, the, the, the series Our Planet uh, out on Netflix. There was a controversy about that. Well, yes, there was, but David Attenborough's walruses, as Tim Wilson put it there, were not flinging themselves off cliffs. Those walruses slid and tumbled to their deaths at a place in Russia where they'd once migrated to live on ice flows which are no longer there. And awful scenes of that and beaches below that were clogged with hundreds of dead walruses were described by Sir David Attenborough like this on Netflix's Our Planet. Once at the top of the 80-metre cliffs, they rest until it's time to return to the sea in search of food. One's going to go. There's one right on the edge. In a special behind-the-scenes type video later released by Netflix, natural history producer Sophie Lanfear shed a tear while saying this. It's a sad reality of climate change. Um, They'd be on the ice right now if they could be, Um, but there's no option but to come to land. They're just a danger to themselves.
but climate change was nothing to do with it, according to Tim Wilson on News Talk ZB last Monday, again citing a single expert. Walruses have shown similar behaviour, have a listen to this, on the US coastline when space and ice were not an issue, and the reason is unknown. That's uh, Laurie Polisek from the University of Alaska Fairbanks. You would think someone who knows a bit about walruses. As an assistant professor in marine animal research at the University of Alaska in Fairbanks, Laurie Polisek probably does. Professor Polisek also said in that article dozens of male walruses were seen falling from cliffs in southwestern Alaska in 1994, 95 and 96, but at that time there was no shortage of ice there. And that too was widely quoted in many other articles casting doubt on our planet's conclusions about climate change and stating that climate change was a red herring in that story. But Sophie Lanfear's crew in Russia had filmed hundreds of walruses that had plummeted and died from much higher cliffs because of more intense crowding than had ever been seen before at that location. In the same story in the Atlantic, the US Fish and Wildlife Service said the scenario was most likely connected to global warming. And another walrus expert from the very same University of Alaska, Professor Nicole Masati, told the Atlantic the situation was complicated, but climate change is affecting the walruses. We do believe that haulouts have increased in size due to the loss of sea ice, in part due to females and their calves moving to land during summer. But strangely, those quotes were not nearly as widely re-reported elsewhere or mentioned by Tim Wilson last Monday on News Talk ZB. And on Monday, Tim Wilson had this conclusion for his listeners. Now, climate change is real. I get that. But getting hysterical about fake effects doesn't help us, and it certainly doesn't help the planet. Well, Tim Wilson is right about that. Hysteria is not helpful, and we should call it out when we see it for the sake of the public and the planet. And with that in mind, this was Mike Hosking on his show the same morning on the same station. Hosking. Speaking of which, in Berkeley, in California, which is about as left leaning as you can possibly get. California, of course, left leaning generally, but Berkeley is left leaning of the left leaners. Anyway, they've uh, banned gas, natural gas gone. Just banned. Councils uh, voted that there's no more gas in Berkeley. First city in America to ban natural gas from new homes, businesses, including restaurants. Can you believe it? Name me a restaurant anywhere in the world that doesn't use natural gas. From next year, with some exceptions, Berkeley's fossil-free new buildings rule means that newly built homes or small apartment buildings can't have a natural gas supply for cooking, heating or hot water. The measure does allow for exemptions that city officials deem to be in the public interest and existing homes and restaurants can carry on cooking with gas for now. But Mike Hosking wasn't letting the facts get in the way of a good climate beat-up. It's the cheapest gas by a considerable margin, but everyone's out now buying electric heaters and electric stoves because the idiots who run Berkeley want to save the planet. I'm worried about my wood-fired pizzas. The energy lobby has targeted Berkeley over the politics of this using similar language, but in fact the city is only getting ahead of the curve in California. The entire state is likely to ban new natural gas hookups in the push towards carbon neutrality by 2045. The LA Times, for example, reports that another 50 urban authorities in the state are planning the same move. So there must be idiots all over California following Mike Hosking's logic. But there's actually a more interesting story here. Much of the electricity they'll be using more of in the years to come will actually come from ramped-up gas-fired power plants emitting greenhouse gas. These have been replacing the huge coal fired ones hundreds of miles away in other states. Natural gas then is effectively being used as a bridging fuel in the transition. But Mike Hosking on News Talk ZB wasn't really interested in that.
Meanwhile, ZB's sister station Radio Sport had already created some hot air about climate change earlier that same morning. On the early edition of the rural show The Country, host Jamie Mackay complained bitterly to the Minister for Primary Industries, Damien O'Connor, about an educational display at Te Papa which pointed out that fewer cows in this country would mean less greenhouse gas. Maybe we could have more interactive displays in Te Papa which teach the young school children of this nation to dislike farmers. Oh, look, I, I just picked up on that this morning, and uh, you know, a whole again, a whole beat up. I haven't seen the whole display. I spoke to one person in my office who said he'd been there. It was one little part of a whole comprehensive display around climate change. Uh, yeah, but what sort of message is it? What sort of Hold message on. is it for a young New Zealander? Click on the cow. That's my understanding. I haven't seen it either. You click on the cow, it goes away. You save the planet. That's not a no, good I message. No, I don't think it does that. I think the implication is you have less cows and people are getting upset about that. Well, it's kind of logical. It's a bit like if you have less cars, there'll be less emissions. So really just science and maths, in other words. And soon after that, Jamie Mackay raised this with one of the show's regular contributors, Jane Smith, a North Otago farmer who earlier this month claimed that she was declaring a political stupidity emergency. We talk about water quality. I'm worried about polluting young minds here. These little kids go in and they press an interactive screen with less dairy on it and then hurrah, up on the screen comes success. You have made uh, a carbon zero future. And I do worry that the government, especially the Greens, uh, are on an out-and-out anti-farming crusade. And the other thing that sticks in my craw, if you want, is the fact that if we're going to get rid of all the cows in this country and become a robotic orchard, as David Parker wants us to be, how are we going to pay our way? Exactly, Jamie. And I'm actually looking forward to um, suggesting that they put another button there that says, congratulations, you've just made your economy by 2050 $300 billion worth off. And Jane Smith shared Jamie Mackay's claim of a political crusade against farming. Article 2 of the Paris Accord that Minister Shaw goes on and on about actually says, and it states, that, that any changes that the government's are introducing to, I guess, meet this second part of the article of the Paris Agreement, um, prohibits governments from introducing measures that, that threaten food production. So suddenly we are threatening food production, so we're not aligning ourselves with what the Paris Accord is supposedly want, needing to do, Jamie. But the key words in Article 2 of the Paris Climate Accords are food production, not dairy cows. In the afternoon on News Talk ZB, co-host of the country, Rowena Duncan, told Tim Wilson that farmers' groups would be making strong submissions against the proposed new deal that will see farming pay just 5% of its total emissions cost from 2025. They're going to say, hey, look, there isn't enough research that is consistent on this and we may need to, you know, amend that 24 to 47%. What they amend it to, I don't know, but we're just hoping something in the lower scale to make it more uh, achievable and more likely and and just get people on board a bit more because there needs to be buy-in from the industry on this or else everyone's going to be working at cross-purposes. And evidence-based policy always always goes down a lot better than just uh, picking a number. Uh, Absolutely. Rowena Duncan, thanks very much. And that response was a bit ironic, given the way Tim Wilson himself was airing selective single sources to condemn climate stories as fake news just a few minutes earlier in his show, as we heard earlier. But when it comes to sceptical opinions on climate change, News Talk ZB's godfather is Leighton Smith, who's no longer on the air but still producing a weekly column for The Herald and a podcast for News Talk ZB. He wrapped up this week's podcast, referring his listeners to the online work of one of his favourite climate sceptics. Ed Berry, Edwin Berry, and you'll find him uh, very easily. 
He is a physicist and climate scientist. And they're coming out of the woodwork now, folks. Scientific American magazine says Edwin Berry not only reckons human carbon dioxide emissions don't contribute to climate change, he's called Islam a death cult on his Twitter account and even encouraged motorists to drive into protesters. Indeed, his Twitter account currently carries conspiracy theory stuff about Hillary Clinton and George Soros and a Muslim Brotherhood plot to destroy America and plenty more besides. Meanwhile, on rival talk station Magic Talk, which used to call itself the new voice of talk radio, climate change was also driving the drive show last Monday. Host Ryan Bridge dumped the facts altogether, declaring climate change to be a religion. Some studies have shown half of the population doesn't believe in it. So why is it a matter of believing, and is it a matter of believing, in climate change? 0800 844 747 will kick the climate change conversation off the church of climate change where you can believe or you cannot believe now prompted like that it's no surprise that many callers were not citing any science either i'm a skeptic i don't think we've had the information information long enough and studied it long enough i mean if you look at like i've read the bible and i read the climate change thing and i don't think we've studied it long enough modern science is only 250 years old. Do you believe the earth is flat? And Ryan Bridge thought that the listeners ought to know where he stood himself. I don't believe in climate change. I don't not believe in climate change. I I think it's probably happening. And I think it's probably man-made. I can't prove that to you, is my only point. I can't categorically prove that to you. And I don't think many people can. So are we all, in that sense, a bit like Catholics, believing in God? Oh, hi, how are you today? Uh, Good, thank you. Are you a believer? Boy, you're not wrong there. It's like a religion. Now, on the same station, Magic Talk, the morning host Peter Williams wanted his audience to know where he stood too last week, setting out his stall in a piece online under a heading stating that the science isn't settled. I'm so over the nonsense that's being propagated by politicians and policymakers about this thing that's now referred to as climate change. Every day it's being foisted upon us. Why is it that not just stuff, but it seems all media in this country, refuse to allow even a skerrick of evidence that CO2 may not be the cause of the Earth's warming? Peter Williams said he found plenty of stuff online arguing that was the case, and he too went on to refer his readers to some of the sceptical stuff he found online that he reckoned was convincing. And last Monday, he was still asking his callers what they reckoned and presenting a nasty, brutish and short vision of our future. <laughs> to turn our backs on the, on the climate change and say, oh, no, it's all, it's all a pile of crap, it's not going to happen, uh, this one could turn around and bite us on the bum because we've only got one atmosphere. Uh, that's true, yeah, but we've only got one planet too in terms of the number of people who can be supported on and I think it's going to be natural selection at some time or a, a natural uh, process at some time in the not too distant future which will, the Earth will say, the planet will say, no, no more people. Now that and all of the sceptical stuff you've heard in the programme so far this morning was aired on the country's two top commercial talk radio stations in just one day last Monday. After heavy criticism last week, News Hub published a rebuttal by climate expert James Renwick, who said Peter Williams' piece was remarkably fact-free. We know for sure that increasing levels of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases 
is the cause of climate change over the past century. In the same vein, we might ask why no one challenges the nature of electricity or the force of gravity. It's because our scientific understanding of these things is well established and well understood. Now this is the position they take at Stuff, the nation's biggest publisher of news, which has a whole section online called Quick Save the Planet. This tries to communicate climate change facts and bust a few myths. But last week some national MPs took to social media to claim that some popular cars would go up in price under the government's new freebate policy in 2021. Labour's car tax, they called it, and it would run into thousands of dollars, they said, in what was a coordinated online campaign. Stuff's outgoing political editor Stacey Kirk noted that the National Party's Facebook page showed two paid political ads on this were running. National's message around consumer choice is already getting traction, Stacey Kirk said. Now this angered Transport Minister Julianne Genta, who climbed into the MP's personal Facebook feeds to rebut the National Party's claims. Stacey Kirk criticised Julianne Genta for spending too much time on Facebook and then said that the minister had taken explaining as losing to a new level. Now, even a journalist who takes the politics of climate change seriously didn't see any point in pointing out spin from point-scoring politicians. And as it happens, Stacey Kirk's leaving political journalism now to take up a brand new job at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Now, one of MFAT's jobs is to account for how we're meeting our emissions targets, or not, in international forums. And if we fall behind the rest of the developed world on this explaining as losing won't be an option for MFAT. Indeed, it won't be an option either for talk radio broadcasters who now put hosts on the air who airily admit they don't really understand the science of climate change.